Trinity realizes, well, Trinity is very convinced that he's the one because she's fallen in love with him and that's her destiny. So it's the power of love. <laughs> no. But they turn out to be right. And then he learns to fly. He learns to fly. Wake up! <laughs> Sorry, I got to channel my Zach DeLaRocha there. Um, so can we talk about some thoughts I have on this? Can I just take over now and mansplain this thing? <laughs> sure. <laughs> can we rename the podcast Mansplained by Greg? <laughs> <laughs> we can, but no, I don't think. No, you can. <laughs> We're, well, we've signed up here to talk about the movie. So go, I don't think you talking well, you, about the movie is mansplaining. No, I, go on. Take me through your thoughts. What is your reaction to this movie? You're on Midnight Local, the podcast from How to Drink, where we just talk about things. Movies. Uh, pop culture. Maybe some video games. That too. All the things. The things. The stuff and things. All of the stuff and the things on Midnight Local. Let's get to it. Hey, Meredith, welcome back to the show. How you doing? Doing good, doing good. Excited about today's, weirdly. I don't know. <laughs> You're big on this one? You're excited to do The Matrix? I like The Matrix. I remain a fan of The Matrix. I have thoughts on it. <laughs> I'll tell you what I got thoughts on right now, though. I got to see a doctor, I think. Uh-oh. All right. You're not going to elaborate on that? You're just, I'm gonna, I uh, need no, to see a doctor. I'm going to elaborate. <laughs> uh, I'm going to elaborate because I'm hoping someone in the comments has this problem, too. Because uh, this is a weird one. I can't find any real good information by Google by Dr. Google, so I'm going to have to actually go see a doctor. And that's going to be multiple specialists on this, I know. Oh, dear. Uh, I, I got this thing going on like the past month or so, um, and I finally traced it to cold beverages or cold foods, cold fruit or cold beverages. That first bite or sip, that swallow, I get hit with um, vertigo. Just like immediately like fucking dizzy lightheadedness. And uh, it's, it's just starting to settle down now because I just ate a bunch of fruit in my cold water and uh, boom, mm. the spinny spins. And uh, it's very, very weird. Uh, I got the temporal lobe epilepsy. I'm living on Lamictal for that. Is it related? Maybe. Is it? May- maybe. It seems like a vagal nerve thing. Maybe I should do some uh, 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 essential oils about it. No, I I, I don't mean that, but. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think of that? You get that? No, I've never had anything like that. Yeah, I know. And you've never heard of a person who did either because it's like I'm looking it up and it's like this vertigo this, from coldness. Yeah, it's no. so it might be something called swallow syncope, but that doesn't sound right because that's like a cardiovascular issue. Yeah. And it does, I don't think it's that. I don't Look, know why. It, it seems way more brain stemmy neurologically yep. to me than a cardiovascular thing. Yeah. Um, Look but up. I don't know. Look it up and then type after it while pregnant because, <laughs> which oh. I know is not your problem, but- No, 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 no. That's a smart thing. Okay. I, one, I'm very curious why you think it's smart. Two, the reason I say that is literally every anything that's wrong with me now that I am a pregnant person yep. is because I'm pregnant. Like no one will consider any other reason. I've had this lingering cough. Oh, well, colds take longer to go away while you're pregnant. I'm like- what if something else is wrong? Can we still consider that I am still a human outside of my pregnancy and maybe these symptoms are something else? Well, did what did they do? Did they test you or what? I mean, no, like, that's is the it thing. Just a cold? Go get tested for COVID. For, yeah, but it's been lingering for like a month now. Uh, you're also getting older. 
And these are true facts, you know? I, my wife, and now this is not a doctor I would ever want to see, but my wife's family friend, they have, my wife's family has a family friend who's a doctor. Uh. And his response to most maladies when you bring them up to him is like, well, something will kill you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right. I don't know what to tell you about that. Like, do you really, like, you're going to die at some point, you know? Yeah. So maybe we just leave this one alone. <laughs> like, like, yeah. <laughs> I want I a different doctor. I have not, you are not my doctor, but he only works in gerontology too. So he yeah. only works with people who are, <laughs> so I think, I don't think he's, I, I think he's like, get out of here. Yeah. Shuffle off, baby. <laughs> But if you look up, is anything a symptom of pregnancy? You will find some article that's like, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a, yeah. you know, a lot of women experience that while they're pregnant. Well, if they do, though. I, well, that's but that's the thing. While you're pregnant, you're still going to experience things. So that you is always could occur going to be if true. you have extreme nausea and vomiting in your pregnancy known as hyperemus gravidarum. Maybe uh, you're pregnant, Greg. Yeah. Yeah. Pressure on your uterus can cause it. Gestational diabetes. Yeah. It could be anemic. Yeah. But I also think that, you know, if you're Googling that, by the way, um, there's a, a lot of money to be made in blogging. While oh, pregnant. yeah. Anything while pregnant, you know? Well, and in the early pregnancy, it's like, is such and such a sign that you're pregnant? Because sure. especially if you go through the process that we did, where you're looking for signs that you are, you will come to find that so everything is also a sign that you're pregnant. Everything. Yeah. But I mean, as I'm saying, though, is that like while pregnant, like blank, 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 while pregnant, that is keyword gold. So yeah. if there's anything to say about it, somebody's going to say something about it just to rake in some ad dollars, sure. view, you know, so it Happy might just be help. capitalism that it's got you down. It's a systemic problem. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, today talking about the matrix, I felt like we had to touch on whether or not you think the possibility of us li living in a simulation is is possible, definitely not possible. possible. Okay, it's definitely possible. It's just probable. Well, I mean, I heard one thought experiment analysis of that, which is that like, um, it's almost certain that we're living in a simulation. And their their mm. logic was like, look, you take an infinite universe, right? Let's assume that there's a singular infinite universe. Or near, you know, a singular universe with as many galaxies and stars and planets and billions and billions and billions and billions, and you run a, like a Drake equation through it, right? So you say, mm -hmm. well, how many of those stars could support a planet that would support life? How many support life? How many support life? And you just keep winnowing it down, and you come up with some crazy number. Yeah, huge number. Right, and then you, and that's just like usually they just run it on the galaxy, but let's say you run it on the whole universe, it's it's essentially infinite, right? Mm -hmm. So you have an infinite number of planets that support life. And an infinite number of whatever, or nearly, you know, a number that approaches infinity. And then you ask yourself, well, how many of those civilizations will progress to a point where they would develop the ability to create a universe simulation that we could potentially be living inside of? Mm. And if the answer is more than one, then there's, and you only have, we only know of one universe then the odds are at least two to one that you live in a simulation. If you mm -hmm. decide that there's a hundred possible civilizations that made universe simulations, then there's a hundred to one odds that you live in a simulation. If you assume that basically every single one of those infinite, and they don't even have to be at the same time. It could be anywhere across the arrow of time, right? Throughout the entire breadth of the universe. 
um, that an infinite number of civilizations or a near infinite number of civilizations will develop a near infinite number of universe simulations, uh, then it's almost a certainty that we live in a civilization, in a simulation. Yeah. That was their, their thought experiment. I just think that who cares? I think it's, yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. It's as good of a theory as any. Why not? It's like ancient aliens, except for, I guess now they say that like some of it's racist, but like, uh oh, <laughs> yeah, like some people say, oh, ancient aliens, like then they accredit aliens to building the pyramids. Like you don't have to accredit mm. aliens to building the pyramids. You could just say like, these are what the gods were or that yeah. like aliens came down and tinker with monkeys. And that's how we came about. Like, I think that ancient aliens is a basically, well, yeah, is basically a harmless conspiracy yeah. theory. It's just fun. Just makes reality more fun. Yeah, agreed. You know, and why not? Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Not? I'm well, an atheist, but like if you want to believe in a first mover, like I got no argument, go for it. Yeah. Whatever. My uh my favorite take on a simulation was this woman absolutely freaking out on TikTok because um she was certain of the simulation because she drives in cars every day. Yes. But then she goes on buses and they drive yeah. in the same lanes. Yeah. But they're so much wider than cars. I know. So how could that be if we're not in a simulation? I know. It's crazy. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> like, okay. And this brings me to my next point, which is the people I hate most in this universe are people who do not know how wide their vehicle is <laughs> and refuse to move forward when there's three feet on either side of them. And I just want to scream at them. I was like, give me the wheel. I'll come over there and move your car oh. for you. Have you ever been stuck? I was stuck sitting behind a guy. There was there was a garbage truck. He had plenty of room to get along. He's in a compact car. Yeah. He's too freaked out and yep. just sitting behind. And I yep. it was the first time I was like, I'm going to get out of my car and tell him like, you, you can, can fit. fit. You're Absolutely. fine. Do you want me to help you? Yep. It was making me crazy. I saw a TikTok of a woman and it was uh, this was a real new york moment i think it was actually from my old hood on the upper west side where mm -hmm. you know that happens like there's movers someone's got a truck you know there's cars parked on both sides of the road and then there's a box truck and there's a tiny little spot you know where you can get by or a garbage truck or whatever and there's like a line of traffic that's held up because this person will not go forward mm -hmm. and this silver-haired old <laughs> upper west side broad without a fucking care in the world gets out of her car I don't even, maybe she was just walking, but she goes up to the driver of the one car and she just fucking flipped the fuck out on him. Look what you're doing to this city, you fucking pussy. Move the car. Get the fucking, get down on the wheel. Um, I like it better if she's just walking. It didn't even affect yeah. her. She just no, like, she's not just pissed take about it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I think she was. Honestly, yeah. because she didn't look like, I think she, if I'm not mistaken, she had like the push cart with the groceries. Yeah. I don't think she was driving. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the um, you know, some people up on the Upper West Side, this is a thing. Uh, the cars are rare. You don't have a car. And if you do, unless you pay a lot of money to unless keep Unless you're car. Fran Lebowitz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know where, it's funny. I physically ran into her on the street once. Yeah. Um, not in her car. No, no. I mean, like people have cars, but like you pay a lot of money to keep that car up there. Like it's another whole. Yeah. Well, she just like she famously has had the same car since like the 1970s. A checker cab. Mm. A, what? A ca it's a taxi cab. It's, it? a, it's a car called a checker, okay. which was built to be the taxi cab of New York City. They were built to be super easy to repair. Uh, mm -hmm. Every part is very easy to access. Pa body panels can be bolted off and on in like a matter of minutes, and they're supposed to be tanks, indestructible yeah. vehicles. Well, uh, clearly it is with huge wide back seat. Um, but yeah, that's she famously has the checker cab. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, the um, 
uh, 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 oh yeah. So, um, you know what? It's a, uh, it's like flying used to be. If you live in Manhattan and you got to go for a drive, you're going to get dressed up. And this lady wasn't mm. in her driving clothes. You could tell. She, uh, she... <laughs> it's a big deal. We're going to go get the car out of the lot now. Oh, 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 oh. we got to call ahead. Let them know we're coming. You do, by the way. <laughs> um, there's another TikTok. We've been talking about TikTok a lot lately. That's what were ladies on the Upper East Side wearing today? Oh, shit, man. <laughs> it's great. Those Upper East Side broads or something Yeah. Else. Upper yeah. East Side is a sleepy hood, though. Everything shuts down. It's all oh, like yeah. expensive cl- stores, and they close at like five. And then you go over there and you think, like, let's go to the other side of town. Nothing. No restaurants. Nothing except for a couple of museums. West Side's where it at, man. People live on the Upper West Side. Yeah. Nobody lives on the Upper East Side. No, it's all this- and fucking right. embassies. Well, the people who live there are just like they take their cabs down to places where they go to dinner and then take them back up and have house parties and galas. They're on the helicopter out to the Hamptons. Also that. Yeah. It's it's remarkable how different one side of the park and the other side can be. Because don't get me wrong, the Upper West Side, not broke. Very wealthy. No, yeah. You know, you have to be of means to live there. But the Upper East Side is like, it's where billionaires are at. It's like a whole other universe. Um, actually, uh, Upper West Side, did you do you you're into only murders in the building now? Yes. We're we've watched the first two. So the Arconia that they live in mm-hmm. is like it's a it's a name alike of this building called the uh Asonia, which is mm-hmm. right there. It was like uh, two blocks from where we used to live. And uh I don't know, it feels like going home a little bit no. watching that show. <laughs> yeah, we were realizing we were watching the other day and we've associated the show very strongly with fall. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And, um and like fall in New York City. Yeah. So, That's I right. can dig that. Really are you, are you caught up? Are you on season 3? Yeah, mm-hmm. we've watched the first two. Paul Rudd, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great role for him because he's just like the most likable dude. Yeah. And he's playing a like a seemingly likable guy. And we're not quite sure where this is going yet, well, but I- we got to do a whole episode on this now, but I think that yeah. maybe a, we'll do a season. We'll do a blow by blow as they come out. We could make that a thing that we do on the show. Those are that's or free we'll episodes. Them, right we could there. do them over on YouTube or something. Yeah, that's true. But uh, uh, they definitely recaps. set him up to be like the heel, you know? Oh, and then yeah. You get under the skin a little bit and he's like a really genuine and cool guy. So and the heel is Meryl Streep. Right. She's like some kind of a nightmare person. <laughs> the show never. Yeah, they've like so they're. No one's ever quite what they what they appear to be on the outside. I love that show so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we truly digress because today we're talking about the Matrix. Yes, we went which from- is so far removed from all of this. Well, we started the fact in that a living simulation. Living on the Upper East Side could feel like being in a simulation. <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> right. It 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 was a natural progression. some stats if people need them. I know it's a movie that people are familiar with, but you might see my dog walking around. Um, Release date was March 31st, 1999. Studio Warner Brothers, rated R, two hours, 16 minutes, $63 million budget. Good job. Um, It grossed $172 million US, $467 worldwide. Mm -hmm. 
the Wachowskis, Lana and Lily, directors. Um, this is their directorial debut as well. Yeah. They actually forced them to go back and make a short film to try and get money for this movie because they were comic book writers, which I didn't sure. know. I didn't really know that, but actually I'm going to, I have some points that'll make that make a lot of sense, but go on. Okay. Yeah. And then Leeds, Counter Reeves, Lawrence Fishburne, Carrie Ann Moss, Hugo Weaving. There's a lot of sometimes, especially with movies that become kind of as iconic as this one, there's a lot of great stories of who was considered to play these roles. Sure. Um, And Will Smith, I guess, is one of the more notable Neos. And they wanted to pair him. Good Lord. They wanted to pair him with Val Kilmer as Morpheus. And then they offered Sandra Bullock Trinity. And then the note says this and doesn't elaborate that she turned down. She turned it down because Will Smith was in it, which I didn't know there was beef between them. It was a one off thing that I read. So I'm not going to read too much into it. But interesting. So she turned it down because Will Smith was going to be in it. That's what it says in the trivia. So wow, though Val Kilmer, man, that's interesting. All right, p- continue. I have thoughts. Those are those are the top three that I I just thought that was an interesting combination. Those three, sure, it, different movie, I, not as successful. I don't think. I don't think you get this movie out of those actors. No, 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 no. Will Smith would be well. You wouldn't have, and I think that I bet. So, um, you know, scripts change all the time. Mm-hmm. This movie, and I didn't know it at the time, I only found this out a few years ago, there's a comic book by Grant Morrison called The Invisibles. Mm -hmm. The Matrix is a huge ripoff of The Invisibles Mm. with entire scenes pulled straight out of it. Um, And The Invisibles is, and like, honestly, like Grant, there were people have asked Grant Morrison, why don't you sue? And he was like, because their movie sucks compared to my comic. Okay. (laughs) But uh, yes, so- uh, but yeah, I mean, but if I've read the invisibles, I mean, like the comparisons are really kind of insane. Um, not insane are on it. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, the invisibles though, is it's a different thing. The matrix is different. Everything about it is different. It's about wizards. It's about street wizards, um, dealing with the fact that we live not so much in a simulation, but in a world that is, um, Uh, like an illusion, like the illusion of a world that is controlled by this like anti-chaos demon, uh, this creature of order that is trying to force everybody to live into like ordered and regulated cities. Mm -hmm. Um, Agents in it are like weird little brain stems and jars that are kept in the future that send disembodied ghosts to the past, which is why they can't be killed and why they replicate all over the place. Okay. They can show up anywhere. But like the character of Morpheus in the, um, in the comic was a guy named King mob um, who is, or King Mab. I don't know if it's Mob. I can't remember if it's Mab or mob, um, but he's like really punk rock. And this is all like in the couch. It's couched in like it's London in like, I think the early nineties or late eighties is what the vibe is. Um, although the story jumps back to the sixties and all over the place. But, um, but King mob is like wearing all these like spikes and everything. like, he's like a punker. And mm-hmm. so the idea of Val Kilmer playing that role to me feels. Yes. That makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. Um, all right. I could get that. I get that. And then the, um, yeah. Any, anyway, um, it takes place in Liverpool. Actually. I think, I think that's where the story starts in Liverpool. Um, so I wonder if that's, if they were leaning even more heavily into, 
like the invisibles. If it was even closer to the source material at one time. Sure. At that point. Yeah. Well, I know like, yeah, the, the script was passed around a lot because no one fully got it. And then they went to a really extensive storyboard phase. Okay. Uh, who's the name of the storyboard artist is somewhat important because I think without him, this movie never gets made. Defines a lot of the look. It's how once people saw it, they were able to understand it better. Yeah. And so he was able to sell them on it because they could see it. It'll come up sometime in this episode. I have it written down somewhere, but right now my eyes aren't finding it. Um. So, yeah, I guess, you know, if they're comic book artists and they see things that way and much of the look of the film is like a frame that you pull out of or you the yeah. way you move around images the bullet time all feels very comic booky and then the tagline for this movie one of the worst taglines i think is free your mind oh yeah Just so like- oh yeah that's so shitty i'm sorry like so i revisited this movie obviously as well and i was with the intention of i actually revisited it when the fourth one came out matrix four came out Uh uh-huh yeah which i thought had some interesting ideas sure very quickly abandoned um (laughs) i was not really a big fan of that um but i so i revisited the first one uh wanted to see if it really held up or not i i felt like it was showing its age a lot i don't know okay (laughs) yeah i mean it's aesthetics part of me wants to say that it defined that aesthetic and that's why its aesthetic feels so cliche. But I don't think that's true. Like Swordfish, like the movie has a very like it's all just cast in green. Like there's just like especially when inside you're in the matrix. the matrix, yeah, yeah. And there's just like this wash of color, this bleach bypass mm-hmm, film look. Mm-hmm. But like that was all over the place. You see that in Domino with a different tonality. You yeah. see that in. Um, swordfish um you see that in like so many different movies from the, it just feels like the you know 1999 to 2001 to me it is like, yeah. it's, it's very heavy and worst way possible i agree um it's more interesting if the matrix is really cool and colorful and sort of the world that cypher wants it to be like a world that you would imagine that people would want to stay and wouldn't want to question too much. Like, well, it seems a lot better than the alternative. <laughs> it certainly does. Yeah. Absolutely. But like, why not just make it a utopia if you want to keep people docile? Well, then you get to the second one and you answer that question very directly when the, uh, the architect explains the architect people, yeah, the need worst, suffering, the right? Fucking yep. worst. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. That you can't accept a utopia and that guy, uh, you know, <laughs> of course I loved this movie when I saw yeah, it. Yeah, sure. um, Of course I loved it because I was a teenager and because like the idea that like, yeah, man, we don't even live in the real world. We live in like a fake world and like we got to blow the system up and like break free, free your mind. Like all that shit, obviously, like really uh, 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 latched right into my angsty little teenager brain. Mm-hmm. Um I was like 17 or something when this came out. Um, Now I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, this is like cringe inducing teeny bopper shit. Well, and Uh, it's funny because like it's sort of Star Wars-y to me in that way. Like uh, it's a very simple story at the end of the day and we should walk through it here in a minute. But like 
it's just I it's fun to watch every time I land on it and I'm like, eh, I don't need to see the Matrix. I'm like, oh, but I'll just watch this scene. I'll just yeah. watch the scene, you know, Trinity's fight scene in the beginning and then I'll turn it off. And I find myself sucked in every time like, you know, oh, wait, oh, I'll just watch the scene where they're in the the fight sequences are so cool. The amount of training that they did to pull them off, what they were doing with the camera and how they they figured out the bullet time was was Novel. Like mind, but it was like, yeah, it was, it totally was the novel. first time I remember one of the first times I remember seeing a movie being like, they, they invented something they, they did. did. They made movie making different again. <laughs> like That I give, you got to give them a ton of credit for that. Absolutely. Um, I don't know how much the Wachowski's had a hand in that, but cause like, honestly, creating the bullet time rig seems like something, some is very specialized. Like, I mean, power to them if it was their idea and they figured out the machinery it's not, behind it. It, okay. it, it certainly <laughs> wasn't. I don't know the name of the person who did it. They shopped this around to ILM and all sorts of big visual effects studios who basically said like, you'd have to move your camera so fast. It would be impossible to have any sort of control over anything like focus or right. realistically be able to get the shot that you want or the camera will explode. And then someone was just like, well, what if we did a hundred different cameras and yeah, yeah, and put them together and, and sort of just thought about it in a different way, which, you know, for how huge this movie seems like it was a scrappy crew, scrappy budget. They made them shoot it in Australia because I guess the studio was like, if you shoot it in the U S it'll be double the budget. So that was the sure. only shot they had to make the movie they wanted to make $63 million in 1999 is nothing to sneeze at either though. It's not, but like the studio was saying like a movie like this would be $180 million, sure. you know, if they had done it in the U S so and we take for granted what a, that Keanu Reeves is like one of the biggest stars in the world. At this point he had speed and I mean, maybe and other movies, parenthood and stuff like that, but like lesser, like smaller comedic and dramatic roles. He had speed. That would have Bill and been, Ted. Uh, no, but I'm talking about movies that would say this guy can do action sure. movies. And you've got Speed and Point Break mm-hmm. at this point. And uh, and obviously, yeah, he did Bill and Ted. He did Parenthood. He did. Uh, he's great in Parenthood. Did The River's Edge, which is an awesome little like small Canadian independent film, actually. Um, he'd done a lot of work. He'd been working for forever. But like, he was no Tom Cruise. Yeah, like you're not going to say yeah. like this guy is bankable action movie international success talent, right? Whereas actually, Will Smith at the time would have been that guy, which is why they yeah, probably wanted him. yeah, Men in Black. Well, he didn't do this movie because he had already signed on to Wild Wild West. Big, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I mean, you know, it might have been awesome for him. They might have paid him like thirty million dollars up front to be in that you movie. know. So, in a very self aware way, he says he doesn't think that he like. Will Smith seemed always very self-aware about where he was at as an actor, that he wasn't an actor when he started Fresh Prince. He always felt like everyone was miles ahead of him. And he said he didn't think he was mature enough as an actor to handle this movie and this role. It's a a weighty role. (laughs) Well, the funny thing about it is like... Neo doesn't actually talk all that much. Like I I read like an interesting thing for the first like, 45 minutes of the movie, he never, like, he, I guess, n- like, something like 60 or 70% of everything he says is just a question. Yeah, or one line or something like that. Yeah, like yeah. a one-line question. All right, let's walk through it. Let's walk through uh, it. Road Warrior, by the way, another great movie for that. Yeah. Mad Max is the Road Warrior. I don't think there's a line of dialogue for the first 
40 minutes or something. Um, this is a movie that I'm going to trust that most people have seen. Sure. Uh, so we can just kind of bullet point. But I don't know. You don't it know? Was like a, well, I'm just going to say it was a phenom. It was a phenomenon when it came out and probably remains looms large in the minds of people who were coming of age at that time. But I don't know. Are Gen Z like watching the Matrix? Are the kids out there like dusting off their the Matrix to check it out? I have yeah, no I'm not idea. Sure. How many Gen Zers are listening to our podcast is a question. None. Not even one. <laughs> There's none of them are there. They don't even know. We've got the around. millennial ear, and I will trust that yeah. most millennials have most seen Most of our this listeners movie. have seen this movie. Yeah. That's yeah. Sure. So yeah, we open with Trinity and her famous fight scene and being chased by the agents and she disappears through the payphone. Which I love. I love being thrown mm-hmm. into a world without knowing no exposition, no setup. The movie doubles back and does some of the most extensive and heavy-handed exposition I've ever seen in my life. Which a lot of that was forced by the studio, I think. Well, I'm only looking at the final product. I don't, I no, don't I care about the movie in your you. head. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. And then we come out of that like, yeah, everyone knows the beginning. We've got Neo. He's a computer hacker working in corporate America. Seems out of place there. He gets called by Morpheus and Trinity, sort of runs into them, and they're they are telling him how to get out and avoid the agents, but he's not there yet. Sure. So he gets. Why would he be? Right. He gets captured. Um, and they put a tracker in him. We're not really sure if it's a dream or if it's real. Right. And then we get to, they, they pick him up and we've got our red pill, blue pill moment mm-hmm. of, do you want to, do you want to wake up and find out what's real here? Or are you happy in in the simulation. Wake up! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Do I take then he ends up on the Nebuchadnezzar? Um, well, he wakes up obviously in the farm of all of the in the goop humans. In the goop farm. Yeah, it was pointing out to me. I this never I, I remember the line, but it never occurred to me why she says it, but Switch calls him Copper Top. Because he's a battery. When he gets in the car, because he's a battery. Yeah. I never made that connection. Uh, also, I, I think I've read some stuff about like how dumb that idea is that like the amount of electricity human beings make is nowhere. Like, and I think that the movie even doubles back on it, maybe in the fourth one or something like that, where they're like, there's no, there's no possible way to make that much electricity out of people. Like there's obviously nuclear reactors running this shit. <laughs> um, so there's no reason, like I don't understand, like there is no reason for humans to exist in this movie because the machines have taken over the world. They don't need their power. This right. is obviously like, this is stupid because like, I, who cares about the, <laughs> the sure, but internal logic, but like, yeah, there isn't any reason for humans to exist. We don't need to be powering this machine at all. It is pointless. <laughs> um, and you know, if the machines are software anyway, like, what do they like? All they need to have is a couple servers running. They don't need all of those gigantic robots moving people's bodies around. Like all of that stuff is just using so much power, <laughs> so much, so much electricity. And they claim like, yeah, we got these humans and vats and we just steal your electrical impulses and that's how we make it work. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> There's not that much energy in us. There's not. All right, go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then if you really get into it, the, the food cycle, the energy comes from the calories we consume. And just by rate of conversion, you get less out than you put in. It's a disaster. The, so they- <laughs> the, these machines 
have a terrible sense of logistics. They, I don't know who designed them. I mean, if these are the machines that design themselves, the future is bleak for the machines. I'm just going to say that. These guys suck. All right. So then, yeah, with Neo learns and we learn about Babylon and the Matrix and what the Matrix is. And I don't think he mentions Babylon in the or Zion, you mean, right? Zion. You're right. But do they mention Zion. Zion in the first movie? I don't know that they do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, they um, do? Because Dozer, his brother. The oh, two, they're freeborn the in Zion. And he explains to him, Zion's where the party will be if the yep. once the revolution or once the war is won, Zion's where the party will be. And then they program him with a bunch of shit. You get your great fight sequence between Neo and Morpheus um, in the simulation. And then, or the- right. The fight program. Yeah, the dojo fight. The jump. You also find out that they believe Neo is the one and what the one sort of is. Um, Which, yeah, the one is just the person who will end the war against the machines. Do they really elaborate much on it beyond that ever? That's a messiah myth. Right. I mean, you know, uh, what the one will do cannot be known. It's just that they are the one. They can just break the rules. Well, we won't know. You know, how can we understand what the kingdom of heaven will be without the mind to understand it? Lemetrodon is 300 meters tall and has 400,000 eyes. You can't even comprehend it. We yeah. have no idea what the one can do, but he is the one. It is a very like Christian biblical movie. Like Morpheus so? is very. Yeah. Morpheus is just like, I do what I've been told is my role. I don't yeah. think outside of it. Like he's yeah. very. This is what God has told me. I will find the one. And that's so a, that's a huge deviation from the invisibles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's the, 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 so the invisibles, Grant Morrison wrote it as a work of magic. So, <laughs> and I want to make sure I'm right. If it, it isn't, it is Grant Morrison. It's not one of the other guys. Right. Cause there's like a trio of um, comic writers who write and kind of, uh, yeah, Grant Morrison. So he wrote it as a like magnum opus of magical workings. And so like the book, the comic book, according to him, is a spell mm-hmm. uh, that he was casting, uh, which is some wackadoo shit, but I love it. And um, it's it's extremely like it's not atheistic, but it, like it believes in a world that is governed by two competing like demons uh, and, and that we're caught in the middle of it, but like it's definitely not God and the devil. It's order and chaos. Mm, okay. um, yeah. And uh, uh, I would definitely, yeah. And and in fact, like the invisibles in it are specifically agents of chaos. Like they are definitely yeah. not doing what they're told. <laughs> they're like trying not to even predict their own next move. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's entire articles written about this movie and the biblical references, like the Nebuchadnezzar is a biblical yeah, sure. reference. The, um, I mean, at the very end of the trilogy, he's like up on the cross, more or less. Oh, yeah. Isn't that people were annoyed by, you know, he's he sacrifices himself. So fully that, Jesus. Uh, yes, fully the, Jesus. The other movie. Uh, Trinity is the name. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you can't another miss that one. classic fully Jesus ending is um, Charleston Heston in uh, The Omega Man, the last, which is a. If, that's a interesting stuff because that's been adapted at least three times once with will smith uh mm-hmm. it's a short story it's been three movies um and the charlton heston one was uh it ends with him <laughs> crucified on the back of a tow truck <laughs> uh anyway subtle oh and on top of that his blood saves humanity but uh like it's not subtle at all it's really yeah. on, the, on the nose um 
but yes, so sorry, derailing you. Uh, well, they, you're not derailing. No, that's the point of this is to sort of walk through. Derailments are are welcome. I'm just trying to keep us on the movie since it's a comment we've had yeah. from yeah, time should, to time. We should talk about the movie we said we were going to talk about. <laughs> Eventually. At some point. Um, first. So they enter the Matrix to meet with the Oracle, who's supposed to tell Neo if he's on the right path or I don't know, it's never really quite. If he is the one. If Kind of. But it's never, you know, it's never going to be that direct. No. She's going to tell him what he needs to hear. That's exactly what she says. Right. And what Morpheus keeps saying. Do you think you're the one? You're not the one. <laughs> That's what she says. Or you won't be the one until you decide you are <laughs> basically you stop asking questions. You start being, I think that's in the first movie. I swear. She just asks, she just says, do you think you're the one? And he says, no. And she says, well, you're not. And like, that's it. She just leaves it there. If I'm not mistaken. No, she kind of says like maybe in another life, maybe in another time, but you're not ready yet. And I don't know why you're not ready yet. You might not know why, but okay. Um, it's a little bit more gray than just no. And then they turned her into software in the sequel and they recast her while she died, but she died. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then while they're in there, Cypher is turned on them and given up their position and yes, Morpheus is captured and a bunch of them die. And then Neo and Trinity go back into the matrix to save Morpheus and he fights agents and finds out, hey, maybe I am the one. Well, everybody dies. They establish this very cool cast of characters and kill them all. I think for budgetary reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except for, yeah, Trinity, Neo. Um, who's the one? Not Mouse. No, Mouse dies. Oh, yeah. Tank. Tank. Tank survives. Survives and Morpheus, obviously. Yes. But yeah, we lose Cypher, Apoc, Mouse, and Switch, and Dozer. Uh, Cypher doesn't really die. Yeah, he does. Oh. His body gets used by Agent Smith. That's right. But yeah, he kind of, he does die. But it sucks <laughs> for him, though. He's the, his whole deal backfired on him. As it, as it does. Um, and then- Judas. Trinity realizes, well, Trinity is very convinced that he's the one because she's fallen in love with him and that's her destiny. So it's the power of love. <laughs> love. But they turn out to be right. And then he learns to fly. He learns to fly. Wake up! <laughs> Sorry, I got to channel my Zach DeLaRocha there. Um, so can we talk about some thoughts I have on this? Can I just take over now and mansplain this thing? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Can we rename the podcast Mansplained by Greg? <laughs> <laughs> we can, but no, I don't think. No, you, we're, well, we've signed up here to talk about the movie. So go. I don't think you talking well, you, about the movie is your, mansplaining. No, I, go on. Take me through your thoughts. What is your reaction? To this movie? It's not. Look, I. I have a much more like the movie lives in a place in my brain that it's like it's a cozy movie like it's like you know i don't know i, I watched this movie probably for the first time in eighth grade in 1999 um See, my mind as a like young you person would have been the blown by it dude i was man you were in high school you were a I was sophomore like, i was no i graduated in 01 so 99 you would have been I a guess, sophomore i guess that was a sophomore i guess so mm -hmm. 
99, 2000. Sophomore into junior. No, I was a junior. Okay. 99, 2000. But and you were 2000, 2001. I was out. Okay. Yeah. I was like, but oh. 2001, September 2001, you were still in high school. Yes. And then Christmas happens. No, September of 2001, I was going to college. You were in college when I was 9-11 happened. Yeah. I was actually okay. getting a tour of the dorms when in Philadelphia, when a dude came running in with a literally a portable TV because it was 2001. We had no clue and showing us the footage of the towers being hit. And we decided we had to get out of Philadelphia and we, we got in the car and drove. Yeah. And I did one semester of school and then I joined the army. Yeah. So no, I was out of high school. Okay. But yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, okay, so yeah, yeah. So junior. this movie, you got, you hit this movie at the right time. So did I. Yeah. I want to say I loved this movie. Yeah. I even liked the sequels when they came out. I just, now I'm critical and cynical. I remember liking the second and being excited about where it went and then being let down by the third because third is boring. My friends and I loved the intro. Yeah, I agree. My friends and I, we hated the third. Everybody hated the third. Mm -hmm. My friends and I loved the introduction of the idea that this is a world that could be populated with vampires and werewolves and shit. And then (laughs) we saw the second one and two or three of us sat down and tried to write our own role-playing game mechanics to do a Mm. matrix role-playing game. And I think it was pretty good, but we never played it. Yeah. And then I think the action sequences just hold up endlessly to me i don't need much more story outside of that for this movie to remain a movie that i love because it's just so quotable like it's just like i don't know it's just like coming home to something that you enjoy um i don't need to poke holes in it like yeah if you poke holes in it, it's like it's fine of course it's ridiculous and it would never go down this way and the batteries and humans don't create that much energy. Sure. Oh yeah, no, no. I wasn't caring about that. I was just, I just, yeah, amusing. And I think, yeah, it's very childish now to see like it's blue when you're not in the matrix and it's green when you're in the matrix. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's pretty simple. <laughs> it's yeah. very simplistic in its metaphors. I gotta say, uh, I, I thought that was interesting what you just said that you think that the action sequences hold up. Have you ever seen a movie where the action sequences didn't? Yeah. Okay. I don't think I have. I feel like I take action sequences kind of for granted. Like that's how it was. That's the way, it, you know, they always seem fine. I think it's true. But like Alien is a perfect example. I saw Alien for the first time somewhat recently when the not like like within the last five years mm-hmm. when the alien comes out of his chest Like when you hear people who watched it in the 70s and 80s describe that moment, Mm. I can't feel that way about it. Yeah. You think it was just overhyped? I know it's not. I understand why at that time it was such a big deal, but like. Oh, it must have been overhyped for you because you were let down by it. So I wasn't let down. I just was like, it wasn't, it wasn't this like mind boggling moment for me. Oh, I know. See, that's the thing though. I don't think action sequence are ever. So I, first off, I, I contest the point that that's an action sequence, although it is a practical effect. Yeah, I've effect. never had my mind boggled really by an action sequence. I'm always mm-hmm. just like, and that is where the tech, you know, that is technically, they did the tech. It's techy stuff, tech, tech. Yeah. But I think when something is repeated and redone over and over again, like her lifting up in that moment and then kicking him floating in the air. Oh. Like it's been spoofed so many times because it was new. People hadn't seen it before. Yeah. I don't know why they made a big deal about the lift and kick. 
that with the thing traveling around. It's the first bullet time moment in the movie. It just seems like arbitrary though. Like just like, and then she does this kick and well, we're going to make a big deal about that kick. Like, no one had like frozen in the air like that. But what's the motivation behind it in, for the, in the story? In other cases, they're dodging bullets and it's like, we got to slow down time to see this happen. In that case, I don't know what the benefit of like stopping time is. Oh, I think sh- she's slowing things down too, to sort of get her surroundings before she was like, Figuring out what her full attack is going to be. Oh, I never got the impression that anybody but us was seeing the world slow down. Oh, I thought she was. I don't think that's diegetic. I think that's only for the benefit of the audience. Oh, I don't know. I never felt that way. I thought- Interesting. For her, that was her beat before go time. Mm. Okay. She does kick that person very hard after she does that, like through a wall. And then he flew. Yeah, exactly. Does the subway fight happen in this movie or is- Oh, that's yeah. a cool. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite scene in the movie. So, I so for me this movie though breaks into like three scenes. Really. Sure. There's or three beats and I feel like they're all very very long and the stuff in between them is extremely one could call it three acts no 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 i don't even mean that i think there's three long scenes that are connected by very thin tissues um that are not good (laughs) okay (laughs) like the parts in between just feel lesser and weak and like really what they had was i got these three action sequences i want to shoot let's Mm -hmm. get them connected you got the dojo Mm -hmm. you've got the um uh the 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 betrayal fight which is one long sequence right uh that i think culminates with them in the subway and then you've got rescuing neo and then there's like these tiny little just like things that you know i mean like this very brief the briefest possible moments to get us back to that and that's why like i always feel like I don't like the the concept that an action movie is a genre because i feel like no it's 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 a movie with action in it. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely true about Cameron's movies. He even said, like, all my movies are love stories. I only know how to make a love movie. They just happen to have a lot of shooting and things exploding in them. Um, I only know how to make a romance, in other words. Um, and I think that that's generally true of a lot of these movies. This movie, to me, feels like actually an action movie. Like, the only purpose of it is those three fight sequences. And then the stuff that's in between them is just there to serve as a barest excuse to get us there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's harsh. I know that's brutal. Yeah, I feel like the whole beginning setup of the movie. I think it's pretty shocking to find out that you're not that the real world isn't real. That you are in a computer simulation. Act one is the best part of this movie. Okay, so I, act one is a different I, thing. I just want to stay in that dark shadowy hacker noir where we're following the white rabbit. Do you even remember follow the white rabbit? Mm-hmm. Like it's so brief. We get such the briefest taste of this world um, as it is. And like his world as like, I'm a, I do corporate computer work by day, but I'm an underground mm-hmm. hacker by night. And I hang out in these cool goth nightclubs and I never sleep. Like it's so brief, so fleeting. It, I, I want to stay there. I want to stay there. I don't want to see outside of the matrix until the the third final third act set up the next mm. movie personally i just i i felt 
especially in retrospect, even when I saw it, I was like, this is really cool where we, oh, we're going there instead. Okay. The first mm-hmm. time. And I, you know, I, I, I bought the ticket and took the ride. I even more now I'm like, man, they, I feel like they missed the forest for the trees, the cool old Lincoln, the creepy guys in suits, taking me, taking my mouth away. All of that is so much more compelling than, oh boy, where do we go from there? I wanted to take the blue pill. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, this movie needed a blue pill. <laughs> I think, see, I think it puts you back into the world enough. Once the rules are sort of broken for you, like I want the rules to be broken. I, I'm frustrated by him not being able to figure out how to get off the ledge in the office building. Like I'm ready to move on to what's actually happening here. So once he's in the new world and then he's learning how he can manipulate it, all of that's very exciting for me. And all of that, the exposition is so heavy. Oh my God. So you get the first act, we're thrown right in and that's really good. And then we meet Morpheus and it's literally like Encarta 98 encyclopedia time where we stand here. Yeah. We have to explain everything. They scorched this guy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it is, I have to teach you how to fight. And I, it's just so fucking long, man. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. That fight sequence is great, though. Like, I love their fight sequence. I think action sequences are fine. I, I think, yeah. you know, fight sequences are cool. It's a very cool fight. Yeah. I don't give a shit. In film, I could not like it's there because it has to be there because it serves the story. I am not ever watching a movie for cool fights. Right. Well, and this is we kind of had this conversation when we talked about everything everywhere. Absolutely. I could live in that fight sequence for no for a long time. I'm super bored and watch the choreography of it. So bored (laughs) (laughs) because like it's dancing. Who gives a shit? I mean, first off, it's not because it's edited to shit. Like, you want to see dancing? Look at a. They cla- do a lot of that stuff, though. Like, they very they to. learned those fights. Absolutely. No, you don't. You could cut that more. You could cut it. Well, one. Okay, watch like singing in the rain, head to foot, no cuts. You know, two cuts, whatever. Oh right, we're, the we're dancing is it. the point. Sure, it's, it's done like theater. In this, sure. They could cut it more, but they do cut it. And, you know, we're going to get, we, we land four or five beats. Oh, I slipped. Oh, well, let's bring in the stunt double. It's okay that I slipped because we'll cut there, you know, and they are, they're making sure that they end that shoot with just the bits and pieces that they needed to, to put it together. They didn't shoot it with like five cameras all in one take or something like that, which would be impressive. Also needless. Like, it's just not necessary to do yeah. that. I totally get it. But at the end of the day, I don't care. I'm still not impressed. I, I, this is not the part of the movie that is compelling for me at all. You get paid a lot of money to figure this shit out. Um, it's sort of like when people complain, like some people, I, I, I'm not a football fan. I used to be I'd be like, I can't believe he missed that pass. And then yeah. some guy says, you know, not that they missed the pass in this case, but I can't believe they missed it. Some guy says, oh, I bet you couldn't catch it either. No, but I don't get paid $20 million a year to catch it. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, I, this is a sure. bare minimum that you do your fight sequences in a compelling so way. The what? other stuff, like I always go back to the, there was like a, a, a vignette at the beginning of one of my VHSs of Star Wars when he's like a special effect. Lucas is like special effects are very boring things. They're very, very boring. The Mm -hmm. only thing that makes special effect interesting or compelling is the story that's wrapped around it. Mm -hmm. And I feel very much like that. And in this case, the story feels really, really thin. And like, it's only there to get you to these action sequences. But you think it's thin that like this guy who was 
sort of a pathetic, anemic-looking uh, computer hacker, like, is now fighting like full kung fu sequences and manipulating the environment and being able to jump higher than he, like he's learning how the computer works. He's learning how yeah. to manipulate the simulation. I find all of that very exciting yeah. and storytelling. Like he starts sort of just regular fighting and the fight progresses into something more outlandish as it goes. Again, with the agent fight in it, throughout the movie, he, he does more and more and more. I give a lot of storylines and movies a lot of shit for playing into savior tropes, particularly like lone savior tropes, particularly like great man theory, this focus on a singular hero. I, I, I mean, obviously like there's always a protagonist in the story, but like some movies are more egregious about these, these problems than others mm-hmm. in this movie. It's not even like, Oh, I don't know how to, it's, it's the point. It's like, that is it. He is the guy. And so the whole movie to me feels like juvenile. Like it feels Mm -hmm. like, like I'm watching He-Man. It feels like I'm, uh, 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 I'm trying to think of like, uh, a kid in King Arthur's court which came out only a couple of years before a very similar vibe to me, you know, like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, it's the same movie now that I'm thinking of. anyway. Um, <laughs> and but- I, I think like, yeah, I agree. That's where the second and third movie lose me because like, right. You've got this one guy flying around that is supposed to save them all. And I, it just feels like it, a little boy power. This one, it doesn't bother me. There is. I know, but it's not in a movie that's appropriate for little boys. It was written for grownups. So, it was written for teenagers. I think. Yeah. You ever think about that? Like the music that you connected with when you were in your teens was all being written and performed by people who were probably in their late twenties. And just, yeah. like in retrospect, like what's fucking wrong with that guy that he was, you know, still in that teenage <laughs> angsty phase. Like, sure. Like it really spoke to me when I was 17, but man, like you should have taken care of that shit. Like that's not where you should be. You should be, Somewhere else at that point. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what about the subway scene is more compelling to you? Oh, I just like, I mean, I, um, I don't know. I just liked it. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, to be honest, I just think it's, I think it's just the coolest fight in the movie. Right. Let's put it that way. I just think it's the coolest fight in the movie. I think that it's the one that felt the neatest to me, but they're all just fights, you know? Also, I I think it's pretty short if I'm not mistaken. It's pretty short. And the tension of the train coming feels very real to me. And I'm right, right, right. Like there is that urgency for it. It's like, there's a a third look. I I, I don't know. There's something about like, um, I can write in this movie, you have force a and force B in this fight. Um, and somebody's going to punch the other guy harder and we're just going to, you know, whatever it's, it's not, it's not a compelling way to tell a story. Once that train is in there, now there's like a third uh, yeah. force in that. Well, scene. also, our, fighting an agent, you've been told it's not possible. So waiting also true. to see if he's different, if you, you yeah. still don't know at that point, you still just think that Neo is sort of a misguided guy who's gone in there to save Morpheus and you think that he could be killed, right? And so when he faces yep. an agent, you still have this tension of, 
how is this going to resolve? You know that he's not going to die, but how is it going to resolve? Right. Which is why I think I agree with you in the second and third movies. Once you kind of know he's the one, you've got that savior problem. But like this movie is successful to me because you're trying to find it. it there's still the is he or isn't he factor. And so having Trinity with him is so necessary and getting Morpheus back who can actually fight these battles is so necessary. It's not just about him. You actually don't know if he can affect this world or not. Yeah. In the second and third movie, so you know he can. <laughs> uh, you might be right. Yeah, that there is no one, that that's always yeah. a running question. I, yeah. I could agree with that I for think sure. Subverting the one right there would have been the most interesting move to do in the movie. But I I, I also think I have another thought too. I think Hugo Weaving makes that scene very compelling. I think Hugo, he's great. Yeah. Um, I think that he is a big part, like his he wears oh, what's happening on his face mm-hmm. here so well. Um, and it, it makes the scene really, uh, there's like, there's, there's stuff happening in it. That's the scene that actually moves the storyline forward. Neo and like the dojo scene. I don't feel like it's moving the story forward. I'm sorry. That's a scene that moves the story forward in the subway because we are changing the stakes and we're finding out that, um, the 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 footing is changing for our antagonists, right? Hugo mm-hmm. Weaving is becoming afraid. The scene in the mm-hmm. dojo to me, it just feels like we're telling the audience what a very cool and special boy he is. He's a very cool and special boy, and well, it's a cool and special place, you know. And and it does feel very, I mean, like there's like all that stuff where they're watching on the computers. And it does start to feel uh, when they're just like, oh, my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing here. It feels exactly like Vegeta screaming over 9000 when he's looking. Yeah. I mean, you don't know what Dragon Ball, some portion of our audience. It feels so like yeah. it's a joke. Like it feels like something that people should be making fun of. <laughs> but you've got the believers and the non-believers and like, you know, then you go to the jump and. I didn't. Again, like I, I like the idea that that, but I don't think it's actually there in the movie all that much that there's believers and non-believers. That tension feels really glossed over in this movie. They build that. T- the whole point of the jump is to build that tension. I So you compared it to Alien, and I like that because we're trapped on a spaceship. I think this movie would have really benefited from a couple of slow burn moments like Alien had. Uh, where, you know, we're sitting around the table and arguing and people are storming out and like about what are we doing here? You know, like Morpheus is rogue. He has taken Mm -hmm. this spaceship thing and done his own deal. Not everybody on that crew has, is, is apparently on board with this idea that they're the one like that he, that the one even exists. Like this dude is a religious. They're going to risk their life for it. Yeah. Their station in the society. He's like a fanatic. This is, you know, um. Dallas, we got to trying to trying right. to bring this dude back onto the spaceship, and absolutely not, man. We got protocols. I am not opening these fucking doors for you. Um, and that's Sigourney all, Weaver says that, right? Exactly. Yeah, Ripley. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like that's that yeah. we should have blown all of that up. Then, I personally, this is just my vibes on this, right? Like, right. I'm Monday morning directing the movie at this point, and I, you know, obviously they were constrained by the budget. And this blah blah blah, but right, I just right. feel like that they didn't want to. I feel like what yeah. they wanted to do was shoot three action sequences. They really wanted to shoot three action sequences yeah. and they needed to and get I just there. Don't, I don't feel that way. Yeah, I guess. Well, that's Cypher's role in the movie, except in, instead of Cypher caring about his crew at all and worrying about the path that Morpheus is leading the crew down and wanting to help his crew, he only wants to help himself. So you don't get a Ripley who's like, you're putting our whole crew at danger. Cypher's like, you're putting me in danger and I'm going to 
I'm going to fix this for myself. And yeah, he does. but like that's that makes his position fully un um in, non sympathetic. Whereas like Ripley's uh, yeah, very right. sympathetic. I am trying oh, well, to save the fucking crew. Cipher's a villain and Ripley's a hero. I right, but Cipher could have been grayer. I think that we could sure, have. Sure. I, I think a more sympathetic Cipher is an infinitely more compelling film. Oh, I don't think, yeah, I don't think the Wachowskis are great writers. I think there's a lot of nuance that is, this is not a movie for nuance. I agree with you I, there. I think it's interesting. That, I, I think it's very telling that they haven't made a lot of movies since uh, uh, Speed Racer. Any well, movies since Speed since Racer. Eight, right? or no? S- since 8, the show that they did is much more compelling than this in a lot of ways. Oh, that was their show. I never got into it because a friend of mine described it to me. I, I was don't, like, I think that sounds weird. I don't think I'm going to. It is weird. I love that show. I don't know if it was one of them or just both of them. They also had like the weird telepathic yeah. orgy stuff really put me off i was like yeah i don't think i'm gonna get in i think i, think I love that show off. it's so good telepathic orgy is fine fine by me nah. so another interesting beat that was taken out of the movie that i thought taken out it was cut from it taken out cut from the movie is that switch was supposed to be um female in the real world played by two different actors a yeah. female in the real world and a male actor in the matrix so I think we had to get to this, right? So is this movie a trans allegory, which it has been recast as it's, I can tell you flat out, it certainly wasn't received that way when it came out. Oh, hundred percent. No, I maintain that this is some rose tinted glasses. So at the time that this movie came out in online gaming cultures, there already, there was this idea of what they called cross mudding, uh, which comes from multi-user dungeons where you would play a character who was the opposite of your gender. Um, and it, it was, I mean, I'm sure for some people it was, but it was by and large, not at all a transgressive or, um, uh, uh, expression of a gender identity. It was never seen that way in that community. If anything, it was seen as kind of pervy. Uh, a lot of times people, I would definitely heard a lot of times like, well, why would you play the male character in a game where you can pick your gender? Then you can stare at the fem- the lady's ass the whole time you're playing the game. You know, that was like a big selling point of like Tomb Raider, like playing as a girl, like that's great. I get to look right up her skirt the whole time we're playing over here. So I, sure. I wonder how much that is like, and now in light of you know, developments with the, the Wachowskis, um, uh, uh, coming out as trans, uh, if that's not like, you know, um, revisionist history about what that's going on there. They even say from what I have read from what they've said is like, there's hints in it, the he- more heavy handy handed stuff that would have been in it was removed. So yeah. I don't see them really making the argument on their own that that's what this movie is. I don't even, the other factor there too is like, um, uh, did they know they were trans at that point? I mean, was that well, even a thing at that point? You know what I'm saying? It's unknowable for us. Yeah. I mean, I do recall them. there being some, uh, it's, it was probably just um, hate. I don't know. I remember there being some articles about when Lana or Lily, which one was the first one to transition? I'm not uh, sure. Yeah. I don't know much about out. it at all. Some of the news I heard about it cast a very, uh, this is a person who has been abused by a dominatrix kind of like, yeah, but it. they do that. That's what they and do. That's what I wonder. All in, the time. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. Um, uh, when I came out, the first questions I was asked by family was, 
was I abused by someone? Well, I heard a very specific story about sure. like uh, fetishistic uh, 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 castration that was happening, which you know, mm. but and and uh, choices being made on someone else's behalf. I don't know. I, I'm betting that that's not true. That was probably just stupid. I mean, I yeah. I'm going to say that wasn't true. Yeah, I'm going to uh, put that in the Pee Wee Herman camp. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. Sensationalized misinformation. Yeah, I, I mean, but there. I mean, is it? I don't know. Whatever. There was, you know, for example, I mean, have you ever heard of Genesis P. Orridge? Mm-mm. Genesis P. Orridge uh, invented industrial music by what he claims. Um, and uh, him and his uh, uh, girlfriend uh, embarked on a lifelong journey to become the same person, mm-hmm. uh, both having many, 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 many surgeries uh, mm. to become identical. That was their mm. work. And like I, when she died, his great regret was that like we hadn't finished hmm. <laughs> um and i don't know is you don't hear much about the from the wachowskis i do sometimes wonder like they're both trans i mean like is that like is there uh, i don't know <laughs> is that nor is that common is that like where there's like a, well, a familial transiness i don't know i have no idea certainly it's happened like it does but it's all different like yeah you've got like tegan and sarah they're both i'm very ignorant about all of this stuff they're both lesbians, but actually you do find in like identical twins. One is gay and one's not. They're siblings? I thought they were dating. Tegan and Sarah, no, they're twins. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they're twin sisters. I don't know anything about them. Yeah, I don't. I, you know, I'm sure there's numbers out there. I don't know how much I'd believe any of those numbers. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. No, totally fair. Fair. So actually, I'm not. not and also with Sense8. So Sense8 is much more like. Oh, it's, I understand. The, it's trans, trans storylines. Yeah. There's one, there's a character. It's not the whole show by any means, but sure. it's very queer all the way through for sure. You're queer for because me. That's why I couldn't get it. No, I never even tried <laughs> to get into it. I don't know. I like it. I love it. I think, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's up your alley necessarily, but uh, it's a very emotional show. It oh, rides God, a lot I on emotions. their emotions. <laughs> Nothing I hate more than emotions. <laughs> But in a similar way, I would say sometimes to everything everywhere, like, I don't know. I have to watch it again. I've always wanted to watch it with Rachel because I think she'll really like it. We've just never gotten into it. And it only it went for two seasons and then they did like a 90 minute movie to wrap it up. I did not realize that was their thing. I don't know. I don't know if it's both of them. I think it might just be one of them. I, okay. Now they're because both of them didn't do the fourth Matrix either. It's only one of them. Oh. Yeah. What's that about? I don't know. <laughs> That's the thing. The things that I know about the Wachowskis are very just bullet point news that I hear. It was created by, no, I just checked. Sense8 was created by the Wachowskis, written by Lana and Lily Wachowski. Okay, both of them. And what about the fourth Matrix? Uh, fair question. Let me find out. I think that is accurate, though. I think you are correct that it, it was Lana Wachowski. Yeah, one of them's done with it. Lily's done with it. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, she probably looked at she looked at that script and said, "Yeah, I'm a, yeah. this is not this is this is well, good shit." And I wonder how much of it was like, you don't have any control, but you'll get a nice paycheck. Um, that might be true. Yeah, I, like I, I, I guess we could talk about. It. I thought the first act of that was super compelling. Again. The idea yeah. that this was a, not real, this was a dream, or that it was definitively not real. It was a video game you made, and he was just a crazy person who was confused. Right. Man, make that movie. Do yeah. the full on, like, do the fourth version like that. I thought that was fucking yeah. interesting. Um, it doesn't 
take away the other movies. There's nothing, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing wrong. It, I don't know. It does though. I think it does. <laughs> I think it does. I don't know. I I think that sort of a bait and switch on your audience of like everything you know to be true is untrue. I don't know. It's disappointing for people. But I I could feel differently about that on a different day, honestly. <laughs> it depends on the mood that I'm in. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't take away the first three movies. I don't in Okay. I don't know. There's an episode of Buffy where they suggest that um she's been institutionalized for this whole time and this is all her she's created these characters these friends this persona is the slayer is a way to deal with childhood trauma oh wow and they never really define whether it's real or not she chooses to stay in her fantasy world at the end of the episode and not they like she gets she gets stung by a demon basically that's waking her up Mm. out of this world it's a matrix thing and the doctors are like, it's a breakthrough. We have this. If we can reach her now, maybe we can pull her out of it. And she sort of decides, no, I'm going to stay and I'm going to help my friends fight. But they're imaginary friends. You don't really know for sure if it was just the demons, right. venom causing hallucinations, or if she's living in a hallucination. And people hate this episode. That's awesome. Because it suggests I love that. that nothing that you're watching is. Yeah, exactly. Nothing you're watching is real. It's all pretend anyway. I don't understand the concerns Which for me, about it's, that. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine either way. I agree with you. But I think the it's all a dream ending is obviously stupid. But like, I don't think it's all a dream is necessarily a bad way for a story to go. Yeah. Um, what was I going to look up? I had a thought in regards to that. Oh, that's what it was. Do you know what year that episode came out? Season six. So 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. American McGee's Alice came out in 2000. So that sounds exactly like a video game that was pretty cool. Uh, It came out in 2000 called American McGee's Alice, which was Mm -hmm. about Alice going back to never uh, to Wonderland. Mm. And you find out that she's been institutionalized because, and the whole thing of Wonderland is her escape from this horrible thing where her family was burned to death in a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and she goes back uh, to process that. And you play as Alice and you run around the Vorpal Blade fighting weird Wonderland things. Um, but boy, I wonder if they were just like, we need a plot for this next episode. Cause like people didn't really write shows yeah. back then. I don't think where they would do like a, you know, like it wasn't, you know, we're going to write a show Bible and we're going to have the whole arc planned out. Like they were like, we got to write another episode for next week. Let's put it together. Oh yeah. Well, and it's fun to nod to things. Like there's a whole storyline, like it's a couple episodes where she's working at this. She used to get a job at a, a burger joint and they find out there's some secret recipe and she's running around. She thinks it's people at some point. She's running around the restaurant saying like double meat is people. It's very, uh, Soylent Green. Yeah. Right, of course. Well, that's a direct reference, yeah. Yeah, of course. Soylent Green is an interesting film. I'm surprised there hasn't been a remake. People do not know about this movie. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. Now, <laughs> you say Alien is a slow burn that bores you. I have a, I love Soylent Green that it exists, but I have a hard time getting through it awake. That I, one's slow, too, it yeah. It is slow. Yeah. It has so many wonderful moments, but like it, I fall asleep watching it almost every time. Whenever I make a Soylent Green as people reference, it's I, I've never 
very rarely am I met with like, oh, Soylent Green. Like nobody knows about this movie. That's so depressing. It's shocking to me. Do you know? Uh, do you remember when that company came out with like protein shakes that were called Soylent because you were too busy to eat? <laughs> no, no, you don't. It was like a white paste that was like to replace your meals because you don't have time to Oof. eat. That was their ad campaign. You're hustling so hard. Who has time to figure out a meal? Here's Soylent, and it's Yikes. everything you need. Um, and I thought, why would you name it Soylent? Yeah, yeah. Only Soylent Green was people though, because there was also Soylent White and Soylent Blue. There was other right. Soylents, but um, and they uh, don't they eat Soylent in uh, the Matrix? They eat recycled corpses, right? No, is that what that is? It's some kind of like protein thing. Yeah, it's a protein. They don't really elaborate. I I didn't think it was people, but I suppose it could be. Could be. You got to do something with some people who die. Looking at this had great DVD extras, this movie, and I was watching some of them on revisiting them on YouTube. And um, you get a very like film schooly like. Everyone was in like this movie felt like the crew and the cast were going to summer camp together and they were all just like in it for the intense training. And it did seem like a really cool thing to be a part of, a really fun thing to be a part of. Yes. And also, if I'm not mistaken, this is the movie where. um, Because this movie made Keanu Reeves the fabulously wealthy, gigantic movie star he is, he went on to like give a um give up a lot of his pay from what i've heard to the stunt department and like if i'm not mistaken i think that um the wick series is essentially him saying to his is is directed by the stunt director or something from this movie and it was like a way to you know to throw back to that guy for building his mm. career i could really cool. I, you know i say this i should check that out i don't well, know you hear a lot sure. of good things about keanu reeves like yeah yeah. And I've read a lot of like, he's, I, I've read enough to know that I have made the determination at some point that he's a good guy. That's what I've heard so far. I've yeah. Heard. He also like, I saw an interview where he described his day, like his day to day. That mm-hmm. dude, he has a lot more sex than I am having and I am bummed about it. <laughs> But like, also, I don't know that I, I mean, like he must, I don't know that I could like, he's described like having sex between four and seven times a day. What? I've not read that about him. That's what I heard in this interview. I saw him talk about it. He's like, you know, I wake up, uh, sit on the beach, have sex, have breakfast, get on my motorcycle, (laughs) go for a ride, get lunch out, maybe do some surfing, (laughs) go home, have sex. And it was just like on and on. I was like, wow, wow. I mean, (laughs) that'd be great for your outlook on life. You'd be a real happy dude. (laughs) <laughs> or person in general. Sure. Um, good for him. Good for him. <laughs> good for Keanu. Good for Keanu. <laughs> yes. What's good for Keanu is good for America. See, I always heard that he had just sort of a tragic. Well, that's true too. Childhood and upbringing. He's lost a lot of people. Yeah. He had like a fiance or something, if I'm not mistaken, that had died. I don't remember the specifics of it. And it's none of my business at this point. Anyway. Lots of things aren't my business, but I talk about them anyway, I guess. <laughs> it definitely, like, this movie was super influential. You have to give it, I do have to give it credit for that. Like, it was any a, a huge smash. I, I just don't like it. It just does yeah. not hold up for me, honestly. I, I have to say, too, even when it came out, um, and I mentioned this to you before, but, like, I... <laughs> and I think you've watched it. I describe um, Dark City, which came out just before this as 
goth matrix and that was more my jam than this was um that's still true well um i think that it doesn't hold up very well i think that they're both corny as shit though like so uh, neither one comes out ahead in that regard um and then i will say that the what this movie that movie did that this movie doesn't is it stays in the city it stays in the cool dark noir city that Uh. they establish so at the very least i get to stay in this setting that i find so compelling whereas um i don't know i i i don't think i don't know if darks i think it holds up as well as the matrix honestly dark city i do i didn't think so but i don't know i yeah it's not also like I have no nostalgic reason to feel and warm and cozy about it. That could be so, a factor here for sure. Could we, be. We'll do that one in another episode. Uh, I have no emotional maybe. connection to it. Yeah. All right. This is a good place to end. I feel like I stuck my foot thoroughly in my mouth on some sensitive issues today. So I don't think so. Sorry about that. No? Okay, cool. I was just <laughs> recounting some stupid shit I was told. So um, and wondering. I don't know. I always wonder if there's a little truth there, but I guess not. Um, unknowable yeah that's right it's just unknowable who knows what goes on in other people's lives really none of my business um all all right right, man this was a good one yeah matrix Matrix. for you you love it i was like yeah i still love it hokey that's fine i guess this is also a movie i never revisited I've always, yeah. it's always come up, you know, it's not like I didn't watch it for 10 years and then was like, oh, that's different than I remember. Should we do a whole episode on the Matrix 4? We'll see. I, Let us know in the comments. Yeah. I, I don't even, I'd have to watch it again, which would actually be painful because I don't even remember what I hated about it, but boy, did I hate that movie. Yeah. I was going to rewatch it for this episode, but then we had too much other stuff we were watching, so I didn't get around to it. I remember the one thing I remember is before I had seen it, I saw a lot of people online saying, Oh, if you don't get it, it's because you're too straight. It's obviously, you know, blah, 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 blah. And like, it's super duper trans, but you're not straight. And then I went into it thinking like, well, I am going to love this movie because here I am a good (laughs) ally boy. I shall define you. Yeah, exactly. And then I watched, I was like, God, Damn it, this movie sucked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll have to watch it with an eye on that. Exactly how I felt about Lady Ghostbusters. I defended the shit out of that movie before I saw it. And then I saw it and I was like, you have to make a good movie. If you're going to besiege my defense in advance. Who's defending movie, that movie? I don't know how many more who is, but that movie is fucking bad. Terrible. And it's not, they're really terrible. talented ladies. It's not their fault. It's just a bad not. fucking movie. Women 100% agree with you. Better movies. <laughs> I kind of felt the way about that way about Wonder Woman when it came out and everyone was like, we must love this movie. We will love this movie. And I was like, it's, it's a very serviceable I get it. run of the, oh, I think it's a fine action movie. I don't think there's anything special or not special about it. And I think that's fine. I think it's fine for women to make studio movies that are fine yes it doesn't need to i do get annoyed when like there's never been um a uh, uh, no woman has ever been the lead of an action movie no woman has ever you know and it's like dude you are forgetting your history like fuck like that's some you're this james cameron sigourney weaver erasure mm. will not stand uh <laughs> like she <laughs> it's true i was gonna say she walked so you could run but like fuck no man she ran so you could follow behind her uh, yeah <laughs> uh, and well, let's get to it we'll get to it let's talk yeah. about 
Let's talk about aliens soon. Um, in for, minutes, mere moments. Mere moments, exactly. <laughs> of uh, yeah. our time. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I, I, I do recall around Ghostbusters. I have yet to refine this information, but that was right around the Sony leak, um, the big Sony leak that people got fired over and shit. Um, mm-hmm. I think that they said fucking Korea hacked Sony for some reason, which is crazy. I don't know why North Korea wanted to hack Sony. Um, because of the movie that was coming out with Seth Rogen oh, making fun the of interview? North Korea. Oh, okay. That was the reason. Well, I recall at the time there being internal communications about how they could astroturf an incel hate brigade against their own movie to offset the fact that it's going to be a dog shit movie. <laughs> because it's like, well, if the reason people hate it is because they're misogynists, then then that's why they hate it. It's not because it's bad. Now, I have yet to, I, I recall reading that. Uh-huh. And at the, call, at the time, I recall being, yeah, that's credible. Like reading it yeah. in a place where I was like, I take that seriously. I have not yet found it again in a credible, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. They if that scrubbed was, it. They may have, I mean, they can, you can scrub yeah. stuff when you've got Sony money. Um, but, uh, that stands to reason. And like, there was a pattern there, like about wonder woman and all these other movies where it was like, there was like a thing going on. I think where I haven't seen it since where it was like, no, this movie is only being said it's bad. Oh, uh, what was it? The other one, um, Carol Danvers, the 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 one with uh, um Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel, which was another. She's also fine. Yeah, fine, but it. Fine. I mean, like Black Widow is fine. Fine. I I don't know, but I'm I. Every Marvel movie has been fine. Yeah, I don't lately, like the Marvel though, so. movies though. So it's like for me, I, right. I was like, oh, let's check it out. I want to see this Captain mm-hmm. Marvel movie because like that sounds interesting, and like the wrong dudes are hating on it for the wrong reason. I want to prove them wrong. I'm psyched mm-hmm. to see. Just I want to see how. F- how, what, what did they do to tweak their stupid little fucking tear feathers? Those goddamn dents. And then I watched it. I was like, <laughs> this movie's fucking boring as hell. It's, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah. so I'm not invested at all in this setting, these characters. I'm trying. I'm really trying. Not doing it for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that there was like a pattern there of deflecting, you know, negative critiques of a movie by saying like, if you critique it, you're a misogynist. <laughs> right. um, but I don't know. I mean, that's certainly what I'd read. I just don't know. I can't, I can't legally confirm that. I think if you don't give it a chance because it's a female superhero movie, then you're a misogynist. Well, you are. Absolutely. Just didn't like the movie. That's a different thing. Yeah. But then it gets really hard, like about like Ghostbusters to say like, here's what's wrong with that movie. Like, it's hard to say that because of the, the heat storm they built around it to like do a legitimate review of like, sure. dude, there are clearly scenes missing. You cut into the end of a scene that did not yeah. happen in the final cut. There's a and musical number that's cut. People didn't stand up for that movie. Yeah. The however, the movie that not came out it with, came out. Um, yeah, no, the movie that came out with uh, the kids more recently. That movie is great. I really liked it. I heard some, yeah, some credible critiques of it, but I actually really enjoyed it. Sure, we should, we should talk about both and compare them. Yeah, uh, all we'll right. Do a Ghostbusters. We'll do all four Ghostbusters. Four, three. One, two, the one with the women. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, maybe, or maybe we'll just loop that in somehow. I mean, we don't do a full episode on it. Yeah, there are four. All right. That's enough. <laughs> that's way that's more enough. than enough podcast for this one. Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you are subscribed and downloading and watching and a good friend of the show. And uh, 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 cut me some slack when I put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> 
<laughs> just a little please. I don't think you did. I just had my 40th birthday. I'm officially a boomer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. There's no in between. No, there's. it's not actually a generational cohort. It's just once you have to start looking at your hairline very closely, you are a boomer. There's- oh, man. I have friends who had to do that at 18. You're, you're doing fine. I know. Me too. I do too. Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys so much for watching and listening and all of that and, and hanging out with us here yeah. at Midnight Local. And yeah, thank you to Annie Villalobos, our producer. Heather Vaughn, creator of our beautiful artwork. Uh, Studio 71 for um, being our partner in this endeavor. And uh, to Epidemic Sound. And uh, don't you spend it all in one place, you guys. You don't, <laughs> you don't, don't take any wooden nickels and don't spend it all in one place. Enjoy the money for the music we paid you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> see you guys next week on another Midnight Local. Goodbye now. <laughs>